Hello, everyone. And by everyone, Michael. Yes. Hi. Hi. I am everyone. Yes. Uh, and everybody watching, this is the, or listening in the future present, this is The Real Boys, episode 20-something, I believe it's 24, I Monday no night, idea. Monday night top five series. This is Zach's number three movie, Unbreakable. Uh, we've got a small panel here tonight until some other people hop in. But uh, right now we've got myself, Dylan, a.k.a. going by a superhero name, Old Cardboard Bones. And uh, Michael, who's your alter ego today? My superhero name is Medium Breakability Boy because okay. I don't have bones of glass, but I am also not um, unbreakable. So okay. I, I have a reasonable amount of breakability. That's fair. I think Medium Breakability Boy is probably more... Uh fluent than a you know moderate amount of breakability boy <laughs> yeah so we're here tonight we're talking about unbreakable which is m night Shyamalan's 2000 superhero psychological drama movie hmm. it's a it's a street level i would i will say it's a street level superhero movie ahead of its time it it definitely does a good job there's there's a movie that i like in here Okay. The movie that is presented is not one that I enjoy, but there is there is something in here. I just don't. It it, it has to be picked out. Okay. Um, now, for people who aren't familiar with Unbreakable, uh, you may have heard of the more recent movies Split and Glass, which are Shyamalan's two recent superhero movies, which were originally a stealth sequel. To Unbreakable, and then just a straight-up conclusion to the trilogy, released in almost 19 years after this one. Um, it has Bruce Willis and uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Robin Wright as David and Elijah and wife. <laughs> I don't. I'm. I. I don't remember her name. She doesn't do a whole lot except uh, no. act concerned, which yeah. was a trope of this time. Yeah the the amount of dysfunctional. Yeah, Bruce Willis, I think, is definitely good in this, and yeah, like, like he's better. Trying. Yeah, he's way better than he has been recently. This, uh. That was red, right? Yeah. Uh, I think he's right. This was probably his last good performance where he like cared about what he was doing. I liked him in the movie Red, but that's a comedy that doesn't rely on a lot of actual heavy acting where he's playing the old washed up like special forces guy. Yeah. Um, but I think that movie's just fun in general. So maybe that's just why. Um, but we've got, oh, her name is, her character's name is Audrey. Yeah, Shyamalan's Shyamalan hates happy families, <laughs> and it's unnecessary in this movie. I think it doesn't. The whole family, the whole family being, you know, uh, like they broke apart and now they're sort of fixing it, adds nothing to this movie. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I I saw this movie about 15, 20 years ago when it first came out. Um, and I had forgotten until it gets to their like dinner date 
that they were supposed to be like estranged on some level. I forgot yeah. because the first time you see them together, I think is when they're at the hospital getting them out of there. Yeah. I think. Um, and yeah, then, I think so because that's, I mean, that's right at the beginning of, of yeah. the movie. That's like seven minutes into the movie. Yeah. And then, okay. Red is defending himself against spurious rumors that he and Bruce Willis were once an item. <laughs> um, that's fine. I don't think we ever believe that. Um, you're too good for him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't listen to those tabloid rags. No. Um, so yeah, unbreakable. The storyline roughly follows that, uh, Bruce Willis's character, David is a security guy at a uh, college football stadium, former football quarterback. He is in a train accident that kills everybody else. And he gets out without a scratch. He is noticed, but he gets contacted by Samuel L. Jackson's character who has a condition where he has bones of glass, AKA he's got very low density bones and he breaks when you breathe on him wrong. Um, there's a little bit of back and forth about, you know, why are you the only one who didn't get hurt in the crash? And then his son, you know, there's some drama with his son, drama with his separate semi-separated wife. And then you realize that Bruce Willis is super strong and he has uh, a psychic ability to sense crime. He can, he can literally feel crime on people. Uh, mm -hmm. He saves, I think he, I think he only does the one crime thing. He only does the one. Yeah. He only does the one superhero thing. And that's like, that's where this movie starts getting good. Yeah. Is when he starts believing it, but go ahead. We'll, we'll get into what's what well, I, not good and bad, but what I liked and didn't like about this movie. Yeah. He, he uses his powers to sniff out crime or in this case, a crime solves that crime uh, by, you know, street vigilante stuff. He beats, yes. he, he beats the shit out of some guy solves it ish. Yeah. Well, he solves it in the way super street level superheroes solve their problems where they go in and they choke a man in his bedroom. Um, yeah. And then uh, Samuel L. Jackson's like, see, I told you, you're a superhero. Also, don't go in water because your weakness is the same as a normal person. Uh, That's another M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> thing, which drives me absolutely <laughs> fucking crazy. He does like water. He does like he, water as a plot device. He loves or hates water, but <laughs> it has to it has to be a part of his movies. Um, and it sucks because I, that's like the absolute worst. And then as soon as it's mentioned, you know how that last scene is going to go. This is this is M. Night Shyamalan's most foreshadowed movie. Like everything that happens in this movie is foreshadowed out the ass in the yeah. first half hour of this thing. Well, it's like first 40 minutes, first hour or so, because the superheroics are really, this is mostly origin story. This is a lot like Iron Man 1, where it's like 60% pre-suit superhero, yeah. yep, and then 40% suited up superhero, which is fine. It's, it's fine, but him... He could only do the one uh, comment from Red. He could only do the one superhero thing because Shyamalan had to save it for the end, so it could be a twist. But was it fantastic foreshadowing? No, absolutely not. <laughs> it That's was. Awful. It was. I would call it lazy foreshadowing. It's um. I mean, it's it's not even foreshadowing. It's just broadcasting. It's just Shyamalanian forecast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh the end of the movie he winds up being like yeah i guess i am a superhero 
he goes to hang out with Samuel L. Jackson, whose mom is like, you know, he always says there are two people causing trouble. One you think, and then one who's really smart, like my, you know, my son's really smart. You should go talk hmm. to him in his lair. And uh, if and if only someone would have foreshadowed that the hero is a big bulky guy <laughs> and the villain is a skinny guy with a big head, we would know yeah. what's and going on in this done, movie. So his, his head is even bigger. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out Elijah um, manipulated all of these horrific tragedies to try and locate David and did. So all of these people who died are on his hands. So he could be a supervillain to David's superhero. Uh, we get like kind of a breakfast club ending where it's like David went on to solve crimes and yeah. drown in a puddle. Mr. Glass <laughs> fell down the stairs again or something. I don't, I didn't see glass. Um, he went, Oh yeah. Yeah, no, Elijah went to the oh. Institute for the Criminally Insane. Ah, uh, you gotta love the Criminally Insane Institute. Uh, it all right, Red, thank you. All right, thanks, Red. Uh, it would have been better, like, I can see the ending still happening, but instead of that text over, they could have just shown the door shutting on, you know, his prison cell or, you know, his whatever, and he's in a straight jacket or something Whatever it would have been much better is. shown than told yeah um and then of course uh i don't know what i'm leading up to credits movie's over yeah no <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's it that's the movie um that's unbreakable the storyline at least um it's fine as i remember it being fine and i still think it's fine probably on <laughs> it's on the better end of fine and i use i use fine as like a straight like middle of the road like but it's very ponderous there's a lot of there's a lot of unwinding this movie has to do and i don't mm -hmm. think that it necessarily um i don't think it unwinds fully satisfactory yeah and it also takes its goddamn time unwinding this stuff like unnecessarily long everything that happens like everything that happens is about three to five minutes longer than it needs to be um the scene the one that stuck out to me and it was the one that stuck out to me when i watched it the first time i actually liked it way better the first time this time i thought it was fine um but the one the one scene that sticks out to me is the one where they're doing the weights, where the son is adding the weights to his thing. That thing takes like 12 minutes and nothing happens. <laughs> it's a long scene. Uh, unnecessarily so. Yeah. And I, yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Um, <laughs> I, it's, Apparently, according to um, some trivia, there was a cut. There's a cut scene where after that he goes to the football arena and lifts with the like equipment in the in the weight room, mm -hmm. and it ends with him doing about 500 pounds. And it like cuts and it shows the entire team standing around him watching him. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I thought they, you were going to say he lifted the stadium, and I was going to say. Ooh. That I, I think I would watch. <laughs> I, I don't think Shyamalan had the budget for that in 2000, did he? No, probably not. 
or else like lifting up a car over his head and smashing it into a building yeah. like like the cover of Action Comics number one. <laughs> oh yeah. That would have been cool. M Knight could be driving the car in his cameo instead of being a drug dealer. Oh boy. That cameo. As soon yeah. as I saw his face, I was like, oh whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, he likes to be Hitchcock. Um Yeah, no, I know that he likes it, but it 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 seemed like he placed himself at a bad place because it did seem like Bruce Willis was um, sort of profiling, profiling. him. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same thought. Uh, <laughs> because he, there's he a, there's the a long line going out of the bathroom and he's the only one that, that Willis goes up to and is like, um, do you have drugs on you? <laughs> yeah, it's it. And then he doesn't. And then he doesn't. Or at least Bruce Willis doesn't find it. Which Yeah, but there's also a scene right before that where there's a guy doing something in the bathroom, maybe planting the drugs for Shyamalan to get before. I have oh. no idea. <laughs> well, it's it's a weird representation of psychic like powers because mm-hmm. it's. Well, it, okay, maybe not weird, but it's always presented as if it's security camera footage. It's always from an up, like an upward angle looking down, and it's always kind of grayscale and a little grainy, mm-hmm. um, which I was kind of okay with as far as representations and portrayals of psychic abilities go. Yeah, I think this movie at least has a style it sticks to instead of just inserting a scene that is shot in the exact same manner as the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely consistent with Bruce Willis's character being a security guard. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's a, like a bigger part of his character than it normally would have been. Yeah. But, but the security camera footage, it's black and white, it's grainy, except for the people who actually are doing crimes have like, a piece of clothing that stands out. That was one of the things I really liked about this. Like when he goes to that train station. Yeah. Is where he, he does like his Mm -hmm. thing. It's awesome because like you see this black and white footage and then there's like a lady with a red shirt and he touches her and she does a crime. And then there's a guy with like a green jacket and in the flashback, you see like his green jacket. It It's really, I thought that was like probably the most effective scene in the movie. Um, although again, uh, let's talk about the good stuff first, because sure. there yeah. is a lot of good stuff in that. Yeah. But that, that scene where he figures out like what he's doing and, and it shows up, as the black and white with the color stuff. It looks awesome. It's like you sort of see him figuring it out. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I wish this wasn't an hour and 20 minutes into the movie because this is when it's getting good. Yeah. Um, Cause before this, this movie is, I have problems with Shyamalan movies, but they always have a style and I like the way that they look for the most part. This one is ugly as hell. Everything is brown and dingy and like just 
really ugly. And I yeah. think I think that he's using that to represent Bruce Willis's like depression, his state of mind. Yeah, but it's also making us look at a brown ugly <laughs> movie. <laughs> so like I get it, but I also don't want to look at it. I I noticed that a few times, mostly in the daytime scenes. Um what stood out to me is when he has to pick a son up from school because his son who thinks his dad is a superhero and thinks his dad is unbreakable. Oh, the title. Anyway, um, <laughs> thinks his dad is a superhero. So he's like, I thought I was like you picks a fight with the school bully. Turns out he's not like his dad. Mm -hmm. And he goes to pick him up and they go outside and it's like this kind of like brownish orange lighting. Um, yeah. He wants you to feel the depression crushing you slowly over the course of the film. That's oh, yeah. true. And uh, yeah, again, I absolutely like I know what he's doing there. But again, we still have to watch this movie. So I get what he's doing. Oh, Dylan's gone. Oh, well, um, I get what he's doing. But I still, again, don't want to look at it because it's ugly. So, yeah, I totally get. I totally get get what's going on in this mm -hmm. movie it it's it works as a device of what of what's going on i just i just wish it, they would have even even if they would have kept it as ugly you know brown gross ugliness um if they would have gotten it moving a little bit more instead of lingering on every ugly shot it would have been more pleasurable to watch the movie well and it doesn't really brighten up once his depression is cleared like the the whole thing that glass is trying to do for him is like part of the threat of the movie is that bruce willis's character is feeling a little feeling of sadness every day he wakes up and part of glass's attempts to wake him out of that into a superhero persona is it is hard not knowing your place in the world. When you have a place, it's hard not knowing where that place is. And mm -hmm. then when he goes out and be, is a superhero, he says it wasn't there when you woke up this morning, was it? But the movie's cinematography doesn't brighten up after that point. You only see the color. Like when he's in the train state or bus station or whatever station, it is gray and green and murky. And this should and be I, the moment I like, I like the aesthetic for the most part of the rain slicker being his outfit. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool. I really, really like low power superhero stuff. I like saving the world is fine, but I really like it when a superhero is like, I punch a little harder. I can take a little more punishment and I do something kind of spooky. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Go save your neighborhood. I love it. Mm -hmm. And if your outfit is something that you can buy at a hardware store or an abandoned or the storage room at your job, Mm -hmm. cool all the better yeah. all practical superhero stuff yeah no it's it's a great superhero aesthetic and like security is written across the back of his slicker yeah. so yeah like i said the whole the whole security thing cool it's great it's it works but it doesn't brighten up when he when he lets himself go when he lets himself live the way he feels he needs to the movie doesn't brighten up a noticeable amount it does a little bit sort of the next day like after okay. he goes back it's because he's 
I think the way that I, I think the way that this was working was, you know, it's gray. It's always raining. It's always dark. It's always ugly. We get to the train station. It's a little bit brighter. And there's those spots, like the, the colors sort of spattered throughout. And then he does the superhero thing. And that next morning when they're sitting at the breakfast table, it was noticeably brighter. Like there is light in that kitchen where they're sitting and he hands the the newspaper to his son and he's like, yeah, okay. that was me. He's like, but shush. It and might have been I, the quality of the streaming I was watching it. All. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely brighter in that scene. Um, and there's not much afterwards. Um, yeah, there's not much like. Yeah, which is fine. Uh, the end of the movie is perfectly respectable as a movie like a standalone movie i don't know i didn't see split or glass so i don't know how the trilogy sort of ends but i think that this movie as a standalone movie making it a trilogy was sort of a weird decision but it might turn out to be awesome like i haven't heard anything bad about glass so we'll, i mean i guess we'll see <laughs> People, from what I've seen, people seem to like Split more than they liked Glass. Um, I heard Glass was just kind of like, kind of dissolved a little bit towards the end. I didn't really, didn't stick the landing, I think is the issue I keep hearing with it. No. Um, <laughs> which, I'm not attached to this franchise, though I, I like, I think I like superhero movies that aren't directed like modern day superhero movies. Like, this was released very shortly after the first X-Men movie before that first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. And it's okay. not shot like a modern day superhero movie. There's no, there aren't any like wide sweeping panoramas. There aren't any fast paced action scenes with like per heavy percussive music. It's a lot of slow one shots, which I appreciate from mm -hmm. Shyamalan, at least early Shyamalan. He likes his one shots, which I do too. Um, which I noticed on the train, that initial train scene was a pretty long shot until she gets up until the woman gets up from her chair. Cause she's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a strange little way of stepping back before the Marvel machine kind of set the code. Yeah, there's, there's a, a medium version of this <laughs> that, that I'm, that I appreciate. Um, I'm on record as saying I'm not a fan of these new Marvel movies. It, they're so formulaic and it's all, it, it's all the same formula for two hours watching these big and it's so clean and it's so like production heavy that it takes me out of it. And then there's this, which in theory I like, but because like after the train up until that bus station, it's just so slow and so ugly. And, and just the fact that the big, the big, why don't they move next to the Creek? Like breaking point for me in this movie is Bruce Willis <laughs> is, 50 years old in this movie 
and he doesn't realize that he's never gotten sick. He doesn't realize that he's never gotten injured. He doesn't realize that he can lift that much weight. Like it just, it doesn't make any sense that he's this age. If he was 22, if this was a 22 year old character, I can see that being a surprise. But at this point, not knowing that he never got sick doesn't make any sense. <laughs> never getting sick, never having a cut, never stubbing your toe and feeling pain, bloody yeah. nose, uh, cough, which I'm dealing with right now because of allergies. Um, yeah. And, and he knows. Anybody listening. <laughs> and he knows that he wasn't injured in that car crash. He knows that. Um the only time he ever got close to having an injury was when he almost drowned as a mm-hmm. child. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's a, it's like a, it's a willing blind spot on the movie. I think, I think I would be surprised if that was not somehow brought up in the writing process where it's like, are we really going to have him like just not notice that he was never ill? And then yeah. eventually you're just like, yeah, <laughs> some people are really healthy. Yeah. Um, some people are very healthy. Bruce Willis doesn't look like he was one of those people. Um, but there are, I don't know real... about that. He looks really good in this movie. Like, I don't think I've ever seen him quite so like, because he's he's wearing tight shirts and stuff like he's pretty cut in this movie for being as old as he is. He is 45 in the time and they've made this. So, yeah, OK, that, yeah. I guess like he looks really good. But but again, I mean, and I'm one of those people that very rarely get sick. Uh, like I'm very rarely sick. So I remember the times that I was I remember the times that I was really sick and when I got really hurt, I do Mm -hmm. remember those times. Yeah. So not knowing at 45 that you've never been sick, it it's just, and it does, it feels like his character does feel like he's willingly, you know, just blowing it off. But at some point you do realize that. I, I think, I think it's supposed to be him not being willing to admit that he is potentially different. I think it, I think part of the movie is that he knows that this is happening and he is aware of it, but I think he's unwilling to tell people for the effect it would have on people around him. And we see that with his son. Yeah. Where his son, you know, picks fights and it doesn't, I mean, the uh, the woman at the school says it's probably more mental damage than anything else, but still. Yeah. yeah. The, the son is also fairly useless in this movie, except for the scene in the kitchen with the gun. Yes. That was like... That's a good scene. Yes. It's probably the best scene in the movie. Because it, up until now... That kid has been a bad actor, but he really pulled it off in that scene. Um, Bruce Willis, again, is doing something. And the wife is also like a part of this scene, which is probably the only time in the movie 
that the wife is part of a scene. Yeah. Well, so, and it's it's a scene that plays out the logical implications of what might happen if a kid thinks thinks his dad is invincible mm-hmm. and then sets out to prove it. And it's like he doesn't know where to keep the bullets. They're in your rookie of the year trophy, and Bruce Willis's face kind of sets harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and good on the I, I think if it was made today, they wouldn't have the restraint to not have the kid pull the trigger. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think part of that scene is supposed to keep the audience guessing exactly how unbreakable. And mm-hmm. even even uh, Elijah says, like, I never said you couldn't be killed. <laughs> He's yeah. like, that, that was dumb. That was a dumb yeah. thing your kid did. <laughs> um but, I, but it was, yeah. yeah, that was, that was the one time that was what sort of drew me back into the movie because I was so, I was starting to get bored and detached from the movie. And then that scene pops up and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm back in. I, I, you know, I'm feeling some emotions. You, you did it. M night in, in the reorganized, like 10 out of 10 movie that could have been this one. It's like that scene takes place towards closer to the beginning of the movie and serves as your realization that like, I mean, maybe they do pull the trigger in that version of the movie and it, you know, hurts, but it doesn't fully penetrate or something like that. Maybe I'm, we're not doing a writer's room. Yeah. Or he, or he pulls the trigger and it, it misses because he's a 10 year old kid. kid who's, you know, this is the first time he's shooting a gun. Yeah. Um, but also then we would be seeing then we would be seeing Bruce Willis either go to New York because that's the threat. He's like, he does yeah. say, he does say, I'm not going to die. He's like, that mm-hmm. bullet will not go into me, but I will leave. Yeah. So I think having him pull the trigger would have not been good because then we would have had to see Bruce Willis either go back on his word or leave for New York. And then the rest of the movie doesn't happen. I mean, I, you know, it's in the moment it's pretty clearly a threat to like, you know, I don't want you to pull the trigger regardless, but you believe I'm an unbreakable. So if you do, I'm going to new, like no matter which way, if, if you pull that trigger, something bad is going to happen regardless of whether it kills me or I leave. Yep. And you don't want to necessarily put the idea in your head. Like you pull that trigger, you're going to kill me because the kid already believes that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And that was, let's see. And the call me Kel says, do you think it was the first time the kid held a gun? And so it shocked him into acting differently, like strong. No, like, that's, I mean, that's a possibility. They may have put a, like, obviously with blanks in it, but a real gun in that kid's hands. Oh man. And, that I mean, when when did the crow happen? This oh, was that was way before this. That yeah, was like nineteen ninety five. They knew better. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that was that was really yeah. the definitely the strongest scene in the movie. Yeah. Um, I th- I actually think it was placed exactly where it needed to be because I do think that that was where Bruce Willis's character sort of turned and went, well, all right, maybe we should figure this out. Yeah. Maybe we should figure this out instead of just, instead of just saying it's not ending that it doesn't exist. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's just, it's just really, really 
a long road to get to that scene. And all we would have had to have done is shorten a couple scenes, bring it down 10, 12 minutes. And we would have had a much, a much easier to watch movie. It, It would have at least had more of what I wanted, which is more psychic crime solving. Mm-hmm. I love that power set where he's slightly stronger. I mean, he's stronger than normal people and he's more durable than normal people. And he's a psychometric, like crime reader. Like he touches yeah. someone, sees the bad things they do. Cool. Show me two or three times that he like goes into the night and like hunts down people that he met at the bus stop or whatever, where he's like, okay, tomorrow I'm going for the guy who beats his dog. Mm-hmm. The day after that, I'm gonna find the guy who hits his who you know does something more horrific, and then the and like climactic resolution is the big one where it's like man who kills and kidnaps a family. Yeah, that's that's way better. Like, get that lady who stole that necklace first. Just scare her. I don't know. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm not gonna feel that- bad about stealing jewelry. Yeah, that's definitely that that would definitely be better if we would have gotten 10 minutes, you know, cut that fucking that weightlifting scene is just like as as much of a great scene as that kitchen scene is with the gun. That weight scene is the opposite end of that spectrum. It is it's that bad and it shouldn't be that bad. But the fact that it's that long makes it that bad because also that's another that's another scene where Bruce Willis is lifting and oh how much did you take off like that either tells me that you have unlimited strength or you're not so it's it's muddying up his powers more because 350 pounds that's a lot of weight um yeah but but not noticing that he added a hundred pounds to it makes me think if you didn't notice a hundred pounds, maybe you could lift the stadium. Maybe you could lift a car over your head and smash it into a building. They, they do show him reacting to more weight. Like his face gets redder and stuff, but he does not have a problem lifting all the weight in the house. Yeah. Now, there's a comment here I want you to address, Michael, from And They Call Me Kel. Is it similar pacing to Boondock Saints? Moral dilemma, followed by resolution dilemma and re- resolution. I haven't watched Boondock Saints in a long time, and I don't actually remember like the structure of the movie. I just remember as I was watching it going, oh my god, that's so stupid. Oh, why are they doing this now? Oh, why are they doing this now? Why do I have to look at Norman Reedus's face this much? <laughs> of course, uh, Boondock Saints number two pick of Phil Better, who was not here tonight. Um, yeah, he'll have his chance to pitch the movie. Yeah, it's again and again and again. Yeah, and then like <laughs> there, it's one of those movies where a lot of things stick out. Like, there's no real female influences on any of the characters there's why is um what's his name norman osborne oh yeah willem dafoe why is willem dafoe a cross-dresser like 
it that doesn't add anything to that story either. It seems like something that's played off almost as a joke as well. Everything's all jokey and misogynistic in that movie, and that's why I hate it. But that's not the movie we're talking no, about today not. because this movie is not. This movie is none of those things. It's not no. jokey. It's not misogynistic. No. It doesn't have a lot of, again, female influence, but they also don't write off, you know, they don't write off the wife. The The wife who died in the car wreck holds a lot of weight to Bruce Willis's character. Yes. Um, Though the circumstances the, surrounding it are, kind of, I think, left intentionally vague. Yes, because like, they because they do show him pulling her out of the car. She seems to be fine. And then she died, but they never, she didn't die though. She didn't she die. No, that's, that's Audrey. That's his wife. Oh, that's his current wife. I think that's his, I think that's his current wife. Cause I think, I, cause I think it was, cause I think he faked an injury after the car accident to get out of doing football. Because she didn't, she wasn't comfortable with that. Oh, and of course, I thought that he met his current wife at rehab after the supposed injury that killed his first wife. I thought, okay, <laughs> <coughs> damn it, Zach's not here to tell us. Um, okay, I hope we get this right. Um, he'll release a, a, a revised review where he answers all of these questions and chides us appropriately. <laughs> I was pretty sure. They were together in high school. She didn't like him playing football. They got into a mm -hmm. car accident where she got knocked unconscious and he faked an injury to leave football to make her more comfortable. And it's the car accident which got her to start being a rehab professional. I thought that was the oh. reason she got into rehab as opposed to them meeting there. Okay. I I mean, that's not what I got out of it. No. But because I swore he had a dead wife i don't think they're i don't think they're dead i think they're just recently semi-separated hmm. which depending hmm. on how the intensity of the separation it's kind of functionally the same thing um i don't know yeah i don't know <laughs> um, anyone in the comments who knows for a fact yeah anybody in let the us comments know consider, because considers themselves an unbreakable trilogy expert <laughs> um i'm gonna check to see if there's a wiki for this uh I don't know what they do. They call it the Glass Trilogy. The, go, the Glass Trilogy, probably. The other thing, I think the like, I'm not going to say I think because Sam Jackson is definitely the best part of this movie. Um, what the, I don't, the One Seventeen Train Trilogy, because that's the name of the train that tra mm -hmm. crashes. The one thing that I don't like about a lot of like fifties movies and tv shows and also like a lot of the early james bond stuff was i don't like a hero who you were never worried for their safety so that's why i wasn't thrilled with bruce willis's sort of character because he feels very old school hero-y in that no matter what happens he's yeah. gonna be okay so Sam Jackson's character was like a thousand times more interesting. And I can also like, he's also very sympathetic in that you can sort of understand how he became that way. 
Yeah. And also his costumes in this movie are so fucking cool. <laughs> he they just dress he's just Sam Jackson with like a big afro but dressed like the Joker. And it's so yeah. cool. Like it works so well <laughs> on him, especially at the end when he like puts his hand out yeah. to, to shake Bruce Willis's hand. And he has that awesome glove with like a racing stripe on it, but he's always in purple. Yep. He's and got he the padded looks excellent. Car. Yeah. He's, he's one of the best villains in, you know, a superhero movie, because even though he doesn't get nearly enough screen time, He's the most developed character in this movie. Yeah. And I really enjoy that. And of course, Sam Jackson, I mean, he gives a good performance in everything. So when something has weight, like, you know, he's always going to, he's always going to do, he's not Nicolas Cage. He doesn't phone things in. No. He's always giving everything he has. So even in garbage, he's good. When you have something that's relatively good like this is, and he's still like by leaps and bounds the best part, it's, oh, dude, I would love it if they <laughs> would do the killing joke and have Sam Jackson as the Joker. That Actually would be, be awesome. the Joker. Sure. Do it. I would love to see, like, as I'm watching this movie and I'm noticing sort of what he looks like, and I'm like, why couldn't he be the Joker? I think he would make a great Joker. Yeah. And Killing Joke would be a great story for him because that's that's like very violent. So that's, you know, that would probably be a rated R. And that's where you want your Sam Jackson Joker to be is yeah. in a rated R Killing Joke movie. Yeah. Oh, a God. plus 10 out of 10. I love it. Yeah, that would be good. Um, I think your comment about like, this movie suffers from the invincible hero is the only time that I felt kind of like worrying, worried about uh, his character at all is when glass is in rehab with his wife. And it's like, <laughs> I get, I ask a lot of questions when I get nervous. You don't have to answer it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about when he played football. And mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, like you, you've, there's some real menace to him. And, oh yeah. You know, the thing about invincible heroes is, you know, you always learn like target the people around them. Mm -hmm. um, that is not advice endorsed by the real boys. <laughs> no, no, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, no. If you just happen to have any superheroes around you, I don't know. But if um, you're writing a movie, that's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, or just any story with a hero who's strong, you give them weak spots that are external as opposed to on their self. Yeah. And like, it would have been interesting to have seen this more from his point of view without the, without, while keeping the reveal in the same spot. Mm -hmm. So you watch the movie from his point of view, like, oh, he's trying to find someone who like can do good in his stead. And then at the end of the movie, you realize he's just trying to find someone to do good to counteract his evil. Yeah, but nah. it, it never feels like he would target Bruce Willis's family. Like it seemed like and it 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 also seemed like he wasn't going to keep doing that stuff once he found Bruce Willis. Yeah. 
So again, I didn't see I, I didn't see glass, so I don't know if, you know if these questions are answered. But it it felt like that was his end goal, was finding his opposite half. Yeah, I'm saying like in this version where you retool it just a little bit. Um, I don't know. Potentially, you know, you have that villain, uh, villain protagonist that you don't know is the villain until the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and all the stuff that he says is true at the end. He's like, you know, you know, you know, you never suspect who it is. He's always friends with the hero and, and this yeah. and that. And that was a real like Lex Luthor Superman relationship, but sort of done more interestingly than most Superman Lex Luthor things. Yeah, I think so. The, the, the only real problem I have with this movie is that middle part where it drags it. It didn't need to do that. Uh, but otherwise I'm actually like the more I thought about it after I was finished with the movie, what yesterday, the day before um, I was like, Oh, this was terrible. I, didn't like this but the more i thought about it i'm like if i wasn't watching it like as i thought about it there's a lot of good stuff in this movie it just it it's just it's focusing in on bruce willis's depression and i get it but it also doesn't make for a good watchable movie yeah and i think i mean yeah, I think, and they call me Kel is pointing out maybe they don't know they're villainous until they're pushed by some sort of crisis, which is the point of, is that the killing joke? No, that's one bad day. The Batman storyline where it's like one yeah. bad day. No, the, you... the killing joke is. No, it's not. Is not that. <laughs> no, that it's is not. That is the Joker at his at most Joker. That peak, is. Peak Joker. That is peak insanity, peak home like uh not homophobia (laughs) (laughs) there's definitely none of that there is a little bit of racism in the killing joke where he's like the arab emirate or something it's very weird um but 90s 90s yeah it's 90s it's early 90s like 91 92 yeah batshit yeah (laughs) he definitely knows he's batshit cray (laughs) (laughs) Um, homicidal homicidal there homicidal is is the word i was looking for (laughs) so what did you find an interesting one yeah what did you find out in your wiki of bruce willis's wife her name is audrey Uh uh-huh uh i am correct in that uh he used the crash as an as a cover for why you left football and okay. they were together back then. Um, okay, so that was his current wife in the <laughs> yes. car with him. Okay, yeah. all right. Where um, did I get a dead wife from? I I get it because that that's a rough car wreck. Um, and apparently, in 2018, before Split came out, or when Split came out, I think Split was 2017, maybe. Um, 2017 in 2018 after the movie came out, when he bumps into the mom and kid outside the stadium. And the mom like pulls the kid's hand. That is uh, uh, the main character of Split and his abusive mother before that movie takes place. Oh, which okay. 
he had planned he had planned to have that kind of character in this movie originally, according mm-hmm. to multiple different sources. Um, and also they call me Kel says because dead wives are as old as film. That's true. That's, that was, that's true. The refrigerator yeah. ran out of space a long time ago. Yeah, um, this this movie may have been because I do. I mean, I've been reading comics since I was like eight years old. So like that's something that really always pushes a superhero into the next level of their thing. Yeah. So I thought, I don't know. I, like I said, in the middle of this movie, I was zoning out. (laughs) So so if I miss something, like I take complete credit for, for missing something like that. It happens. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have much else to say about this other than, um yeah i like the yeah, the shots. other the other thing that i noticed um was they did a very good job of young bruce willis and young sam jackson really looking like those characters when they would have been those ages i was like holy shit <laughs> i i i made note i'm like this dude looks more like young sam uh more like young Bruce Willis than Joseph Gordon-Levitt did in Looper. Yeah, went definitely. A lot more trouble to for it in Looper, and and they ADR'd they ADR'd <laughs> um, Bruce Willis's voice onto this kid, which yeah. was a little bit weird. It's a little weird, but but the the kid playing the young uh, Sam Jackson, especially when he's sitting on that park bench, I was like, is is this actually Sam Jackson's like kid? Because that kid yeah. really looked like him. I was. Th- and that's something that a lot of people don't go to the trouble to do in movies yes. is to find a young version of their characters that actually is believable. So when they do it, it sticks out and good, good on M night for, for doing that because yeah. it, it was very, very good young casting. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I that, that's unbreakable. Yeah, that was all. That was all my points for the movie. It's it's a it's a good movie in there. M Night could take a little bit more time in the editing bay to to cut some of that stuff down a little bit. But other than that, um, yeah, it's it's like the opposite of a modern Marvel movie. Yeah, I I think I overall I, I mean I like this movie. I watched it. This is the second time I've seen it and it's the first time I've seen it in over a decade, but it, it, it was ahead of its time and it aged not so great, which is a weird, like kind of where yeah. like, it comes out and it's ahead of its time and it is now, but it didn't age so well. Yeah. So it's there got was this weird kind of five year span where this movie is really fondly remembered. And I don't yeah. know if you show it to an average moviegoer nowadays who has never seen it, I think they would be bored mostly. Mm-hmm. I think, Absolutely. I think, I think they'll have the similar reaction to what we're having right now where they'll like parts of it, but they'll be like, that could have been a half hour episode of black mirror or something. Like yeah. That. <laughs> Which I don't know about that. Maybe no. give it a, give it an hour, give it an, an hour, hour episode yeah. of the black of black mirror. And it would have been perfect. Um, but yeah, probably if 2011, if you watch this in 2011, you would have been like, wow, 2011 when the dark Knight was the biggest superhero movie that had ever been released. 
we're not going to talk about the Dark Knight. Uh, okay. I have many thoughts about that. Cool. There's one good one of the of that trilogy. Okay. <laughs> and it's the it's, middle one. It's Black Knight. Black Knight, nope. yeah. Right okay. when Black Knight came out, starring Martin Lawrence. Yes. <laughs> people would have been like, wow. <laughs> Batman Begins, if I was Black watching, Knight, Dark Knight. Yeah, I, I mean, I could be watching Black Knight or Unbreakable. <laughs> of course I'm going to watch Unbreakable because Mar- Martin Lawrence is terrible. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, do we want to do reels then? Let's do reels. Reels out? Yeah. Um, do you want to go first or should I? Um. My, I, I mean, I have a feeling we're going to be close because my reels are on the positive side of meh. Yeah. So it's a six. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, and they call me Kel has been talking about The Wailing, which is a horror movie recommendation. If you're still looking to fill your uh, I spoiler am, I will, I will talk about that when I do my plugs. Yes. And we'll, we'll get to let that me in just put, a second. Let me put the whaling on my schedule, as a matter of fact. There you go. Yeah, um, so you're giving it a six. I I had a more positive reaction to it, I think. Um, I'm probably going to give this a seven. Um, I just, I, I really like low-tier, desaturated superheroes. I really like neighborhood superheroes. Slightly above human not saving the world, but you're saving, you know, your neighbors helping them out. So I'm giving it a seven on my end, which comes out to about a 6.5 average, which I think is pretty much in line with kind of, I think people remember this very fondly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure if other, I think of other people were here, it would probably have a higher rating, but I think yeah, 6.5 is. I, I think a 6.5 works for it. And I don't yeah. know that it would have been higher because <coughs> I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But since this is the Michael Colby and Dylan show, um, our, yep. this is, this is our real review. These are the only, it. these are the only relevant reels right now. Yep. The, um, the reels, the reels are out and it's a 6.5. The, uh, the end of series retrospective episode we might eventually do might shift this upwards, but we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Before we get into plugs, I'm going to plug everybody who couldn't make it tonight, get them out of the way. Uh, so real boys, normally we've got eight people here on a full night. We'll have eight people on the panel. Those other folks you didn't see here tonight are Chris Harvey. He's a traveling comedian, actor. He's in music videos. He does a Chris plus Chris podcast. Very funny. Uh, way more successful than I am. Uh, we've got DL smokes of oops, caught me smoking. Uh, and his buddy, Jerry and blaze of the cloud chronicles podcast together. They do bet that with Dan and Jerry, and it's a sports podcast, which is pretty fun to listen to, even if you don't do sports like it's this yeah, guy. I I don't like sports, but the episodes of that that I listened to, I was like, these guys are fun. Yeah. Uh, we've got Justin Wallace of formerly Carpool Shenanigans. New show is Anime Shenanigans, where he and some other guys talk about anime, which is pretty fun, I think. Yeah. I would rather one. listen to people talk about anime than watch it for the most part. Sure. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree <laughs> with that. Uh, we've got Phil Better, the podcast mogul of also Animation Anakins, which he started a week after Justin, which is really weird. Yeah, um, he does. I mean, he started his movie show after yeah. the Real Boys started. He started his anime show after that. He has a um, his Generation Smash, which I thought was really yeah, weird. It's it's him and his cousin talking yeah. about um, Canadian music. top forty. It's yeah. Yeah, it's he's got he's got 
Jack Billingsley presents, which yeah. is a complete ripoff. And also, he's not a very good writer, so I don't, I'm not worried about that. He did Silly Cone Angels, which is about an ice cream like Dairy Queen, which is weird. Anyway, uh, feel better. The podcast mogul, invest in yourself, digital entrepreneur podcast. I'll give him a real plug. And of course, <laughs> my brother, uh, Zach Wiseman of some nobodies, uh, twitching upstream, talking upstream, whole mess of stuff. And then old medium breakability boy and I <laughs> go for it. Okay. I am Michael Colby from Jack Billings presents. Uh, me and my neighbor, Michael is our first comedy series that we did um that's over you can listen to the whole thing now um haunted apartment complex is what's ongoing now um i also have generation clash i love this terrible game no time to binge on saturdays and then the new thing that i'm working on for the love of god um i decided that i was going to give myself a big old project and i am going to watch I mean, we always watch one horror movie every day for the month of October. Mm -hmm. So this year I decided I was going to put out little five minute podcast reviews. Um, that is called Quick Cuts. The intro episode of that is out now. You can uh, subscribe to it. And then my first week is The Evil Dead, Killer Workout, Blood Beat, Night of the Living Dead, Killer Sofa, and Let's Scare Julie and okay. slacks are my first seven movies um and then right. there will be a, a new one every day i just added the wailing so if uh uh the the guy watching us on youtube uh, red and kelly yeah yeah wants to add that that'll be the i actually added it for the 13th All so right. that'll be when that episode comes out um yeah so if you think that I'm too hard on these movies and you want to hear like positive reviews, I am ridiculously easy on horror movies. I love horror movies. Okay. The stupider, the better. Okay. And you're going to hear some very high scores. Okay. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> horror movies. are Yeah. Horror movies are easy. Whatever. Um, dime a dozen. That's why they're yeah. always in the $5 bin. Yeah, they really are. And these aren't, these aren't hour long episodes. They're five minute reviews of these shows yeah. or of these movies. So it's a quick one every day. Yeah. And of course I am Dylan old cardboard bones of some nobodies. You can find my stuff. If you look up some nobodies on pretty much every platform, we've got Silicon angels. We've got CYOP appeal, the branch and storyline that Zach somehow detangled from the mess. That is my mind. Uh, we've got talking upstream and twitching upstream. We've got, we are of course on no time to binge on Saturdays. Most of most Saturdays, most, most, most every other Saturday, <laughs> every occasional Saturday. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I might be working on something in November, trying to do a national novel writing month and have some accountability through streaming, but that will be announced officially at a later date. I haven't figured anything out about that. Uh, again, you're listening to the real boys where some real boys talk about real movies, mostly. Um, this was Unbreakable. We'll be back on Friday for The Greasy Strangler. Oh, boy. Uh, which is going to be a weird one. I really hope a lot of people show up for that because I want everybody's opinions. Yeah, I tried to watch The Greasy Strangler before and failed twice yeah. at getting through it. So <laughs> sitting through this entire movie is going to be a challenge. It's going to be a multi-session flick, I think. 
Um, <laughs> or maybe just maybe I'll just try and sprint it because I don't want to expose myself to it on multiple days. Yeah. Um, and then on Monday, we are planning on doing getting into our number twos. We are on the final end of this thing with Zach's number two, Star Wars A New Hope. You know it. You probably think highly of it. We'll see. Prob- probably. Uh, probably. I don't, it's fun. I don't think it's I've been a watched long time the original. Since I watched it. Yeah, I don't think I've watched the original trilogy in 10 years. Yeah, it's been a minute. I actually, I'm. I'm defender of the new trilogy. I really like those new movies. I am on record multiple times a week of saying The Last Jedi is the, one of the best Star Wars movies Disney has released. It's really good. It's the best of the three. I, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to have to watch them all again, but I liked all three of them. I mean, the, the, the two bookends are very almost remakes of, the 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 original trilogy but i like those characters better don't unless unless we get in unless we're planning on getting into it some point in the future all i will say about the rise of skywalker it is one of the laziest pieces of writing i have ever seen on a large screen it's yeah but Uh, it's also fun to watch i'm gonna i had fun while i was watching it we are the only two real boys on here, so that's the official position of the real boys as of now. I'm going to run the outro music, so that way it sticks. See you guys on Friday. We're out.